Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be, whenever you might hear this message, and welcome to you as you join in. God bless you today. This is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is episode 60 of our Bible Bites as we read through the scriptures and comment on what we're reading to see what the Lord might speak to us each day of the year. And so today's reading for me is found in Deuteronomy chapter 5, 6, and 7. And so I'm going to make some comments from these chapters. These chapters are so rich. I love the book of Deuteronomy. And as we've seen so far in our um, Bible Bites, how Deuteronomy is more of an expansion. Moses is not just recounting things for the second for this second generation that's fixing to go in and possess the land, but he is also um, uh, expounding on that. And he's explaining a good bit of things, um, giving us more detail than what is found in some of his other books. And so, first of all, let's notice here in chapter 5 that the very first thing we notice in the first of these chapters is that God, this is God's covenant. Moses is recounting for them the covenant that God made with them in Horeb or at Sinai. And, and it's the Ten Commandments. It's a repeat of Exodus chapter 20 where he gives them the Ten Commandments. And beloved, the Ten Commandments, every one of those still stand even today in the New Testament age after Christ. Christ has affirmed these things. As a matter of fact, he said in the Law of Grace that grace even demands more. Because he said, you've heard you shall not murder, but I say to you, you don't even hate someone in your heart because that's murder in your heart. You've already committed that sin. And so Jesus affirms these things and these are still valid for us to be following today. And so it's a recounting um, and an explanation about the visit of God in the time that he came down at Horeb and Sinai and made this covenant with them and he recounts the Ten Commandments for us. And as a matter of fact, Jesus recounted these. He, he summarized them. He said basically uh, commandments number one through four are summarized in this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and body, and strength, and all of those things that he said. And commandment number two, the summary of, of commandments number five through ten is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so he, he affirmed them and he summarized them for us. Hallelujah. So I praise God for that. Now, um, note in verse 24 of this, we're looking at what they experienced. And, you know, the mountain, it says, is burning with fire in verse 23, I believe it is. The mountain's burning with fire and the people are standing there. And in verse 24... And you said, Moses is recounting what the people at that time said. Surely the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his greatness, and we have heard his voice from the midst of the fire. We have seen this day, notice this, we have seen this day that God speaks with man, yet he, meaning man, still lives. People, God speaks with people, and yet they still live. 
And then they got fearful and they said, so, so wait, wait, wait a minute. We're not worthy of this great God that burns with fire and him being this close to us that he speaks with us. And so they go on down and they say, you, Moses, you go and you be the mediator. You go speak with God. You, you're holier than we are. You go speak with God in a sense that that may have been what they were saying. And, and, and then come back and tell us what he has said. And so the Lord comes down a few verses later and he says that, that you know, in essence, they're right. They're right. Uh, because, we, we, beloved, we have to remember standing in the presence of an awesome God. We are not holy in and of ourselves. It, his light and his fire reveals our impurities and makes us well aware that we are not worthy of him. And I praise God that in the New Testament, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. We don't stand before him in our own honor. For our own righteousness, the Bible tells us, is like filthy rags. But we stand before him declared righteous because of the blood of Jesus and our faith in that blood. Hallelujah. Notice this also in verse 29. Now, this is God speaking. And in reference to what the people had said, he says this, Listen to the pleading heart of God here. Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep all my commandments, that it may be well with them and with their children forever. As we go through Deuteronomy, you will hear that pleading heart of God and of Moses on God's behalf for the children of Israel to follow God so that it will be well with them. God's desire is that we live a life of obedience to his word and that life of obedience has blessings that are associated with it. God wants to bless us. He wants us to experience abundant life. Jesus said that when he came. And the way to do that is to live in honor of the Lord and live a life pleasing to the Lord. Live a life in fellowship with God where there's sweet communion and we're honoring him with our lives. Now, <clears throat> chapter 6, a beloved chapter. And chapter 6 contains the Jewish Shema one of the most beloved passages in the scripture to the Jewish people. And I want to read it to you. In chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And Jesus even mentions that when he summarized the great commandments. He goes back to the Jewish Shema and picks this up here. You shall love the Lord your God. The most important thing in life is having a relationship, a love relationship with God, with the living God, with the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, with Christ himself. That is what the key of life is. You will spend eternity somewhere. Every person is going to spend eternity somewhere. And there are only two places that you can go. One is to heaven where God dwells and the other is to hell and eternal torment. And that's just the truth of the matter. It's not pleasant and a lot of people don't want to hear it nowadays. But it's the truth of God's word. 
And so every person has the opportunity. God is seeing to it that every single person has the opportunity to live in a love relationship with Him so that their home eternally is with Him in heaven. And beloved, that will be such a beautiful place. Oh, I, can't, I don't have time to even talk halfway about that today. But it is thrilling what God tells us about heaven. But the only way we get there is by our names being written in the Lamb's book of life. And that happens when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. You invite Him in and accept Him. Repent of your sins and ask Him to forgive you. And He becomes your Savior and Lord and writes your name in the Lamb's book of life and gives you a place and a home in heaven. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want to just mention one other thing about this Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And that word for one is the Hebrew word ekad. And it literally means a united one. We, we speak in Christendom, we, we understand and we believe in what's called the Trinity, meaning that, that we serve a three-in-one God. We do not worship three gods. We do not worship, there's not three gods. There's not God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit as three separate gods. They are three in one. It's a united whole. Everything that God the Father is, God the Son is, and God the Holy Spirit is. Everything that God the Son is, God the Father is, and God the Holy Spirit is. Everything, they share unity. And it's similar, the only way I know best to describe it is similar to either water or similar to our own personhood. Every one of us have a body, a soul, and a spirit. We are three in one being. Our whole personhood is summarized and is, is encapsulated in a body, soul, and spirit. But yet the three are one. We are one person. And so it's similar to that. And that's what this word ekad is speaking of, is that is that plurality not in the sense of plural gods, but in the sense of a unity within that oneness. There is a, a oneness in that individual role or function. Our body has a function. Our soul has a function. Our spirit has a function. And yet all of those functions work together and are united in one personhood. And that is each and every one of us. So that's what that word is speaking of there. When it says that the Lord is one, it is ekad. Notice in verse 6, it says these, this, these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. God wants us to hide his word in our heart. Let the word of God come alive to you. Read it, study it, memorize it, put it, hide it in your heart. 
The psalmist said, I've hidden God's word in my heart that I might not sin against him. Oh, hallelujah. The word of God, God desires us to hide it in our heart. And you know, beloved, when you do that, then it will come back up as a lively word when in a time of need. You'll remember exactly what you need from the word of God that you've hidden down deep inside of your heart. So I encourage you to plant the word of God deep in your heart. Then in verse 7, it speaks of, again of how we are to teach God's word to our children. And notice this, all different times of the day, all different circumstances. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, it talks about binding them on, on our eyes and on the doorposts of our home like the Jewish people do with their mezuzah. We are to teach our children and our grandchildren. Let us be implanting in them and investing in them the word of God and trust that God will take that seed of his word and build in them a beautiful, fruitful harvest. Hallelujah. Praise God. And then notice in verse um, 13 how it says that we are to it even says here to take oaths in his name, serve him and honor him, fear him. And when it speaks of in his name, it's talking about in his character or in his essence, in the same manner that he would do. So that's when we speak. It's the same thing when we talk about in Jesus' name. It means within that same character. Hallelujah. Notice beginning in verse 20 and beyond. It's, it, Moses says here, when your son begins to ask you, then recount, tell them the testimony of God and what God did for us and for our people. And the Jews have done an excellent job of continuing that in some ways, at least the religious Jews have, and they recount the things of God with their festivals and their feasts in different ways. And so we are to recount to our children, share your testimony, share your salvation experience with your children and your grandchildren. You may not go into all the details. You have to make it age specific for them, but share with them what God has done. Boast in the Lord. That word Hallel from where we get Hallelujah, it means to boast in the Lord, to boast about what God did, to brag, to uh, brag about him. So I encourage you to brag about the Lord, even to your children. And then in verse 24, he speaks about how God wants us to honor him and obey him for our good always. Hallelujah. It is always for our good. And notice then he talks about how it will be uh, counted as righteousness for us. And beloved, praise be to God. We don't have to keep all of these 613 commandments recorded in the law of God. Um, to be righteous before him because in Christ, Christ came because he knew we couldn't keep those things. And yet he came, he fulfilled them all perfectly. And so now beloved, the Christian is counted as righteous because of Jesus' blood. And we are the righteousness of God in Christ. And then in chapter seven, I just want to make a couple of quick points as I draw to a close. First of all, verse six through eight speaks of how they are to be a holy people, chosen by God to be a people, a special treasure. He did not set his love on them or choose them because they were more in number, but because he loved them. 
Hallelujah. And that includes the church today. That was spoken to the Jewish people and still is valid for the Jewish people. But it also includes the church. According to Galatians chapter 3, be us being heirs to the promises of Abraham. We are the seed of Abraham as well through faith. And 1 Peter 2, 9 also verifies this, that this includes us. And then, beloved, I want to end with this final promise. And this is one that we claim and believe God for, for our children and our grandchildren. Oh, beloved, grab hold of the promises of God. Oh, I want to read this one to you. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. Beloved, if you love the Lord your God and you are seeking in Christ Jesus to live a life that honors and obeys His Word, pleasing to Him, then this commandment can give us rest and assurance. God promised he is the faithful God. That means he's a man of his word. He's going to do it. He will see to it that he is keeping, <coughs> excuse me, covenant and mercy with our children, even to a thousand generations, all the way down the line for those of us that love him. Beloved, what a beautiful promise of God for our families. Hallelujah. I pray that this has been a blessing to you and that something in these chapters has really spoken to you. God bless you today and join us again for other editions of Bible Bites. May the Lord bless you today.